Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Well, one of the things that we hear when we talk about revival and when we read through the scripture, we hear the comment about the testimony of the church. We hear the comment about how they went everywhere preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I personally, in the revivals that I've been a part of in my life and the growth that I've been a part of when I've seen God really move, it has been accompanied by people telling other people about the goodness of God and what God has done in their life. And and I think it would be uh, just fitting for me to stop here and ask everybody in the room, everybody at Friendswood, do you have a story about how God has been good to you? Let me just see your hand. Well, if you have a story, that is a testimony. You see, a testimony is simply a public profession of a religious or a spiritual experience that you have had. And and today I'm going to talk about this incredible church that uh, is in Thessalonica. And Paul writes to them in the first letter. And and it's kind of a lengthy reading, but I want you to hear what he has to say as he opens uh, this letter to them. I'll start in the second verse. We give thanks to God always for you all. Uh, I don't know why he didn't say y'all there, but he said you all. Uh, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of love. Everybody say work of love. Your, I'm, I'm sorry, your work of faith. Everybody say work of faith. Your labor of love. Everybody say labor of love. And your patience of hope. Everybody say patience of hope. So three important things that was a part of their church that Paul is seeing And he's saying, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love and patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and in sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power. Anybody here ever experienced the power of the Holy Ghost in your life? Amen. Powerful. In the power but in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. So you became examples. Everybody say examples. To all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth. The word of the Lord has sounded forth. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. I I love how this particular chapter talks about the incredible church and the impact that it has had on this entire region. And and, and as he begins this letter, he notes in three areas where the gospel has radically changed them and changed their life. And and, and I want you to think about that. That that, um, work of faith, that labor of love, that steadfastness of hope. And 
And, and I think many times when we think about faith and love and hope, we see them as invisible qualities. We, we see them as something that maybe is internal and, and it's not something that necessarily is on display. But how when we read this word uh, to Paul, that, that faith that they have has resulted in this incredible work that they're accomplishing. The, the love that they have is being shown in, in, a, in a labor, in some type of work. And, and the hope that they have is seen as something that is steadfast, that is keeping them from just being uh, not shaken, not moved, even though there is much persecution and trials and circumstances. And, and this is the evidence that faith, hope, and love in our life should be visible to people around us. It should be visible to people that, that are around us and see us. And so I just want to talk about those for a few minutes. Let's talk, first of all, about a work of faith. These Thessalonians have true faith because true faith begins working. Amen. It's something that happens when we love God and when we have faith in God. And there's a lot of people that focus on the work part and that's where they get off. That's where they get to the place where they're not, not really following what God wants because we can't work our way into heaven and we can't work our way into the grace of God. But we work because we have faith in the kingdom that God has brought to this world. Amen. Anybody thankful for the kingdom that we're a part of? And I have faith in that kingdom. I, I want to be an advocate for that kingdom. I want to be an advocate for, for what God is doing. And, and listen, we have all types of philosophies and all types of, 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 of uh, political parties and, and all type of agendas out there. And, and what you see for those particular agendas is people with an agenda or, or, or they're active or they're activists for that. And man, their voices are loud, right? How many of you have heard a loud voice over the last few months from uh, anywhere? They're all around. You just turn on the radio, turn on the news, watch, watch any little thing. You can hear those voices that are being such uh, incredible advocates for whatever it is. And, and this is what I see, that if I am going to be fully caught up and have faith in the kingdom of God, then there's something inside of me that should be saying the things of the kingdom of God. You know, the, the, the lack of working in my belief or in the way I look at it shows the lack of faith. It shows maybe my faith isn't right. If I'm not working, if I'm not talking, if I'm not promoting the kingdom, and, and, and I'm not saying that working, working is, is, that's the solution and that we just better get out there and get to work because that we, we don't work because it's a, a duty. We don't work because it's something that we have to do. That's what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees did all of this work, but their hearts were not changed. There was something in them that was so uh, full of pollution that Jesus actually condemned them because they, act, they, they lack faith. They lack the love that God, but true faith, this is what true faith does. True faith, it just starts working in my life. It's something that it's not a duty, but it is a pleasure to tell somebody about the kingdom of God. And as I'm doing this work, 
I'm not trying to obtain God's favor and I'm not trying to develop a righteous standing or, or to meet some type of quota as so many religions preach in the day that we're living in. But what I want is when I talk about the kingdom of God and when I tell somebody about the goodness of God, I want it to be an expression of the appreciation that is in my heart for all that God has done for me. Somebody in this room, somebody in Friendswood, you have a testimony that God has been good to you. Can I hear an amen? You have a testimony that God saved you, that God helped you, that God delivered you. And whatever it was, then there is a natural response to the grace that God has given me. I, I love to do sweet things for my wife. Just yesterday, um, I'll toot my own horn a little bit. It is my 60th birthday week, and I feel like I have a little liberty to talk about how awesome I am. No, not really. I went to an antique mall yesterday, and I found a little bell, and it's a brass bell, and it has birds on the top of it, and, and it's just so pretty, and I just picked it up and brought it home and gave it to my wife and said, I, I think this would do. Oh, she loved it. And you know what? I didn't go through that uh, outlet, uh, that antique mall stomping my feet. Oh, I've got to do something for my wife. I've got to find something. It was just a response of my love for all, all that she has been to me and means to me. And, and I just want you to think about how much the love of God means to you. Is anybody thankful for that love that God has shed in your heart? Is anybody thankful for the forgiveness of God? Then there is this work that takes place. And, and there in Thessalonica where Paul is talking about a church where the sound has gone out to the whole region, they have this, this work of faith. Their, their faith is at work. They also have what is called, according to Paul, the labor of love. Uh, the, 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 the love, and I believe that love is always the strongest motivation in the world. L love is what gets more accomplished and love is vital in our life when we want to work for the Lord. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that if we have gifts and prophecies and speak in tongues, give our body up, give everything away, but we don't have love, it doesn't mean a thing. It doesn't mean anything. And, and we have to have that love. And so our labor must come from that love. Think about it this way. Do you have love if, it, if it's not laboring? I mentioned just a few moments ago about me getting that little gift for my wife. But, but it's more than just getting a little gift every once in a while. It's the daily walk that I have with her of, of giving, of, of caring, of serving. And, and, and she's doing the same thing back. She's giving and, and serving and loving me. And, and if, if we didn't have love, would there, would there be that type of labor? But because we have love, we reach for one another. We help one another. We serve one another. And I don't know that it's true love if there's not that working that is involved in the marriage. I don't know if there's true love if it's not that working involved in the family. Because this is what I know about love. Genuine love goes the distance. It's looking for the finish line, amen? That genuine love sacrifices. Genuine love still acts when everyone is weary. 
So what Paul is doing here is he's praising the Thessalonians because they have this love for one another. They, they have this care for one another and it's seen in the work that they're doing, the, the work that they have. We see this point made by Paul later in 1 Thessalonians when he says this in verse number 9 of chapter 4. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourself are taught by God to love one another. And indeed you do so towards all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we encourage you, brethren, that you increase more and more. So he tells them there's no, I don't even need to teach you this because you do such a great job at it. However, don't just stop there. Just let that love increase more and more. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. The focus is not on the labor. The focus is on the love. The focus is on the true love. The focus is on the true love that in return helps us to work for one another and it is displayed by labor and sacrifice. It's giving of ourselves to another. This is what God wants. He wants our love to be generated from His love. Amen. He loves us so much. How in the world can we hate somebody when we're so full of the love of God? How can we let our tongues be full of bitterness and hatred and, and saying things against somebody else when, when He has loved us so much? Amen. So I want to be a part of a church that is known for their love for one another and I'm thankful that we feel that in this room. I'm thankful on Sunday morning that we feel that love for one another. However, let's don't stop there. Let's just keep on going further and further so that we can truly grow into that labor of love that the Apostle Paul is talking about here. We, we do not work because we have to work for the Lord as, as if it's a job where we punch a clock. We love God and we love each other and therefore love drives us. Love drives us to tell people about Jesus Christ. Love drives us to serve on Sunday mornings. I, I walked in this morning and, and, and every Sunday morning we're a little in disarray because of all of the classes that are meeting here in the building throughout the week and and you know what I saw? I just saw people picking things up and straightening things out. And, and I, I just love that. I, I referred to Roland earlier. I, I don't think Roland would get up on Sunday morning and say, oh, man, I've got to go to life church. I've got to stand at that door. I've got to give mints out to kids. And you know what I think? I think he woke up on Sunday mornings and he had such a love for this house that he couldn't wait to get here and couldn't wait to care for people and talk to people. I, I remember when he was standing at this door that he would hug and talk to everybody so much that there was a line. It, it, it's like you go to Kroger and it's like the line that has all and everybody else is heading for the, the, the fast check-in lines, you know, and, and, and we, we finally had to say, Roland, why don't you stand in the middle of the lobby, hug everybody so people can get in the room. That, I don't think he was doing that because, oh, I got to hug all these people. I, I'm, I'm just saying there is a labor of love that is never a burden, but it is always a joy. It's always a joy. And then the last thing that Paul says about them, he says, a patience of hope. And listen, this is what the hope is. <clears throat> it's real simple. The hope that we have here today, the hope that we're expressing in our prayers, in our worship, in our 
time together, the hope that we're expressing by being here and, and the faith that we have, that hope is that there is going to be a glorious appearance of our Lord in Jesus Christ on this earth and we are living for the hope of His return. That is the bedrock of our faith and our love is that Jesus is coming back and that gives me sustaining power. Amen. That means that when things happen and circumstances come, guess what? I'm not shaken and I'm not disturbed and I'm not pushed aside and I'm not uh, tossed to and fro, but I have this sustaining hope that even though there are troubles on this day, there is another day coming. Amen. That even though the troubles on this day are difficult, I know that Jesus is coming back and I want to spend eternity with Him. This is what David said, really a prophecy of the coming King, the coming Messiah. He said, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Psalms 37 and 7, do not fret because of Him who prospers in the way because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. No, just, just rest in the Lord. Just wait patiently. Hope in Him. And, and, and I see that in this letter that Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. Thessalonica. They have that steadfast hope. Our, our hope is what makes us steadfast. Our hope that He is coming back. Our, our hope that no matter what's going on tomorrow, that my life is in the hands of the Lord in the future. Does anybody believe that? That no matter what battle I'm fighting today, God's got it. Everybody say, God's got it. It, it, it just doesn't matter. That's my hope. I, I don't understand the trials that I go through. I don't understand the things that happen in my life. I don't understand the battles that I fight. But I do understand this, that God's got it. He sees the end from the beginning. And when He walks with me, everything is going to be all right. And this hope gives me confidence. This hope gives me assurance. This hope makes me unshakable. This hope produces endurance in my life. I, I, I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in, the, in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Amen. Amen. So when I go through the troubles of life or even through the, the things of life that I'm seeking things that, and I'm not satisfied, there's something in my heart and that produces a hope that one day all of those things will be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Now, this was their testimony. This was the church in Thessalonica. This was their uh, Thessalonica. This was their, this was their testimony that they had this work of faith, this labor of love and this steadfastness of hope. And this was the results. These are the results of that church. Verse number eight, far from you, the word of the Lord has sounded forth. Everybody say sounded forth. I have been intrigued by this verse for many, many years when I think about church and when I think about what God wants to accomplish. It's sounding forth. They're, they're, in other words, they are such an example that their example has become like a trumpet sounding, a trumpet blowing, a trumpet that is going forth. And that, that's not only something that is happening just right there, but it's also happening in Macedonia. It's also happening in Achaia. 
It's also happening in every place. I love how he does that there. It's almost like the words of Jesus where he said, you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, there it's in Thessalonica, it's in Macedonia, it's in Achaia and every other place. It's just so powerful how their faith has gone out. Their faith has gone out. And and this is what Paul says in that eighth verse. That last phrase says, when he walks into a place and starts talking about Jesus, they say, oh yeah, we've already heard about that from the Thessalonican church. What a testimony. What a testimony. That's what I want to preach about here for the next few minutes. The vibrant testimony that a church has during a revival, the sound of revival is people talking about the goodness of God. The sound of revival is people telling others, oh, the Lord has been good to me. The sound of revival is when somebody's down, somebody says, oh, but you know what? I was once down, but the Lord picked me up and the Lord helped me and the Lord strengthened me. And if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Amen. Everybody has a testimony. Everybody has a testimony. And and I want you to look at that verse. It said that the word of the Lord, they they weren't trying to sell their church. They they weren't trying to sell themselves. And and of course, we all have seen that in one time or another, that that there there are preachers that try to sell themselves. There are churches that try to promote themselves. I, I love what they did here in this church in Thessalonica. I want it to be the same thing we do. They don't promote self. They don't promote the church, but they promote Jesus Christ. It's the word of the Lord. I talked about that last week. When we talked about one of the sounds of revival is prayer. And one of the things that happen in our prayer is we exalt Jesus. Amen. We need to exalt Jesus in our prayer. You look at the prayers of the New Testament. They exalt Jesus. They talk about how awesome Jesus is. Well, that's the same way that our uh, sermons should be. Our sermons should exalt Jesus. Our sermons should talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what Paul said to the Romans in Romans 1 and 6. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes to the Jews and also to the Greek. Do you understand what he's saying there? The power of God. We're talking about a God that spoke the world into existence. Did you know all of that power is now directed towards saving humanity? That's what this scripture is telling us here. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone. So we ought to be confident when we talk about Jesus that the power of God is going to be with that testimony that we have. The power of God is going to be with our saying the things of Jesus. Listen to what he goes on to say. Their method was that they sounded it out. Everybody say, sound it out. They they spread it abroad. You know what this means? It means they opened their mouth and shared the gospel. Everybody say, open my mouth, Lord. And you know what? As they did, they lived out their faith. And others talked about them. And and this was the result. The witness was so effective that everywhere Paul went, he found that their message had preceded him. 
He found they were already talking about it. I, I don't know how you feel, but I think that Life Church, and when I say Life Church, I'm talking about us, that we should saturate our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Fifteen people believe that. Amen. Friends, what? I don't know what kind of response I got over there. Houston campus, 15% believe it. But I'm going to give everybody a chance again, because I know you really believe it. This is what I believe, that we should saturate our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should. We should tell people about how good our God has been to us. I mean, we are quick to promote a, a, a new soap that we've used or a new car that we're driving or, 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 or we're quick to promote a new company that is in town that is doing good service. And, and we're quick to tell people about a certain sunset or a place to visit. We're quick to uh, promote uh, cheese enchiladas. They can't, I, I can't even tell you how many people have come to me. I have a list so long of places to go eat cheese enchiladas. People promoting them. I even had someone tell me this morning, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. They were going to give me homemade cheese enchiladas. Listen, if we are quick to promote all of that stuff, shouldn't we be quick to promote the goodness of God and how God has been good in our life? and how God has helped us. Is there anybody here that's been helped by God? Is there anybody here that's been seen through a tough time? Is there anyone here that God has seen you through a situation that is difficult? Why don't we talk about it? Why don't we talk about it? You know what the world needs right now? They need to hear about how good God is because the world is in a bad place. <laughs> the world is full of broken people. The world is going through a pandemic of anxiety, a pandemic of divorce, a pandemic of immoral lifestyles. You know what they need to hear about? They need to hear about how God came and took our broken life, and we need to saturate the world with the gospel. I know, I know, Pastor, I would do some testifying and, and I would share my testimony, but I, I don't, I don't. I'm a little afraid that I don't know enough. I'm afraid they're going to ask me a question that I'm going to get wrong. I haven't memorized a hundred uh, scriptures yet, and I'm afraid that I'm going to miss out on a very important part. Well, you know, I, I spent a lot of my life thinking that way. And then I read two passages of scripture that completely changed my mindset. The first one is in the book of John, the fourth chapter, when we see Jesus talking to this woman at the well. And she's a wreck, folks. She's broken. She's a woman that has a horrible reputation. And yet, in John chapter 4, 29 and 30, she goes to the village and says, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be, possibly be the Messiah? Well, you just, let's just read chapter, uh, verse 30 together. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Oh, I, I think we should read it again. Friendswood, let's join in, read it in concert. So the people from the village came. Uh, I'm 60, folks. Let's do it again. So the people came streaming from the village 
to see him. This was a woman that didn't even have a clue on doctrine. She didn't even for sure know who Jesus was. She just gave the testimony of what the Lord had done. Let me, let me give you another testimony. Jesus puts his feet on the seashore there uh, in the Gadarenes, and a man comes that is possessed with all kind of devils to the place where everybody in the area was scared of him. And, and, and of course, you know the story. Jesus delivers the man. He's completely set free. And, and then the man said, Jesus, let me just go with you. Wherever you go, that's where I want to go. Listen to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 5 and 19. Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything that the Lord has done for you and how merciful He has been. Now let me just ask you two questions. Has the Lord done anything for you? If He has, just raise your hand. Raise your hand, friends, would. Second question, has the Lord been merciful to you? Raise your hand. You have a testimony. You have something to say. You have something to tell anybody. And, and this is what happens when we discover how wonderful something is. We are quick to share that. We're quick to share it. And when we discover how wonderful the grace of God is in our life, we should treasure that moment. We should be grateful for it. But then our next response should be to share it with others. Amen. Joy and peace are amazing, but they're never meant to be something that we have in isolation. Joy and peace are meant to be shared with people. Amen. Sounds of Revival is a testimony. Sound of Revival is for you to go to your work and when somebody's feeling down or discouraged or, or sick or whatever, you just tell them, hey, I want to just tell you what happened in my life. God has something for me. And you know what? I want to just give you simple ways to share your testimony. Now, these notes are also in the YouVersion app. If you want to go there, go to YouVersion. Hit the little bar that gives you the menu. Go to Events. And if Life Church HTX doesn't pop up, then just type in Life Church HTX and you'll have these notes in front of you. But if you don't have the app, get it or take notes today. I just want to give you a simple way to share your testimony. And here's the first thing. Everybody say number one. Just pray. Just pray over your testimony. Pray, just pray about your testimony. Ask God, Lord, use my tongue, guide my tongue. Lord, let me speak it at the right moment. That, that me saying this doesn't mean that you need to go to work tomorrow or school tomorrow and stand up on the lunchroom table or the restaurant table and say, hear ye, hear ye. No, it just means that you need to find that place where God is already moving and your heart being prepared to share your testimony. Everybody say, pray about my testimony. Uh, um, this is the second thing. And before I say it, this is not ammunition for you to preach back at me. But, but the second thing is just keep it short. <laughs> Preaching is different than testimonies. I just tell you that right now. <laughs> keep it short. Don't, don't give all the details. I, I used to talk to this one guy and I loved him so much. And, and I tried my best to give him one conversation a year because I knew that when I talked to him, it was going to be two to three hours or more. And so I would prepare myself. All right, this is the day that I'm going to have a conversation with so-and-so. Franklin, I'm revealing that maybe I'm not as good as you said I was. 
You don't have to share everything in your life. Well, when I was a little boy, one time. No, no, just be, be, keep it short. Talk about how you met Christ. Talk about the things that the Lord is doing. Remember, the purpose of you telling your story is not to talk about you, but it's to talk about God. Keep it short. Number three, have a before, how, have a how and have an after. This is what I was like before. My life was a wreck. My life was in shambles. I had this going on. I had that going on. I met Jesus Christ. I went to a church. Somebody talked to me about it. I cried out whatever the how is. And now I am feeling the blessings of God in my life. Amen. Everybody in this room can write a before, a how, and an after story that can take two minutes to tell. It can be clear, logical, and people will hear the testimony about what God has done in your life. Amen. I don't like to talk about the failures in my life, but I do like to talk about how God has forgiven me of the failures of my life. I don't like to talk about the brokenness that has been in my life, but I do like to talk about how God God has put the pieces back together and has made me whole. Oh, come on. Somebody give a hand clap of praise to the Lord. Next point. Point people to Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. People want to be clear about what your transformation was. It wasn't taking a certain amount of vitamins. It wasn't healing oils. It wasn't that you visited a spa. It wasn't that you took a new course at the local college. Your transformation happened because of Jesus Christ. If people aren't pointed to Jesus, they're going to be searching still. They're like sheep without a pasture, out a shepherd. Tell them about Jesus. Stick to the story. Isn't Jesus amazing? Isn't Jesus amazing? Isn't Jesus amazing? This is what I want when I'm talking about Jesus to somebody. I want them to say back to me, you know what? That's what I want in my life. That's what I want in my life. Last point in this section. Don't speak the language of religion. When you're testifying, don't go up and say, hey, brother, I know you have questions about the tribulation and I know you're wondering about who Melchizedek is. Well, I am brother high saint of most holy God, Jim Kilgore, and I'm here to educate you on the ways of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. People don't want to hear Christian religion, religion that is about uh, the language of religion. Just be real. Talk to people. Be clear. And they need to understand that when you're talking to them, you're being real. You're talking out of your heart about how God has been good to you. Amen. Share your testimony. We're going to have revival in this day. If we're going to have a move of God in this day, you know what's going to be a part of that? A part of it is going to be we preach about Jesus. A part of it is we're going to be praying. And a part of it is that we are going to have testimonies that we carry out of these doors and into the world around us. Pastor, why should I do it? This is my last section here of my message. And here are the reasons why you need to share your testimony. I I want you to hear this first one. Your story is unique. Your story deserves to be told. 
even if you don't think that it's unique, and even if you don't think that it's powerful, your story has to be told. Yes, I love to hear the testimonies of people that have been delivered from cocaine. I love to hear the stories of people that have been delivered from some type of of, of addiction or some type of lifestyle that, that I've never lived. It's amazing to me. But you know what? There are people out there that live the same type of life that you live. And so every testimony is important in the sound of revival. Your story is unique. Don't be afraid to say it. Let's think about it this way. When do you, if you go back in your memory, there was a specific time that you realized that you needed a savior. Now I'm talking to people that were raised in the church and people that weren't raised in the church. I was raised in the church and I heard all of the religion of my family, all of the stories of my family, but I had to come to that place myself where I realized that I needed Jesus. I have friends here that lived their life away from God, didn't even know what church was like. And and there came a time in their life when they needed Jesus. When you heard about Jesus, this is what happened. This is what happened to me. I came to a decision on a Sunday morning, sitting right over on this side of the platform, that when church was over, I was going to be the first one in the altar I was a 19-year-old boy that had had the Holy Ghost for a long time. I had gone through a lot of things. And that was the morning that I decided I'm going to follow Him. I remember hitting that altar that morning. That's my story. That's when God called me. That's when God touched me. And you know what happened? I rejoiced. You know what happened? I repented of wrongdoings. You know what happened? I believed. It It was a memorable day in my life. Can anybody tell me you remember that day, that memorable day in your life when Jesus did? Come on, I want to just see those hands, that testimony. You have it in your life. Think back. When was it? What was your story? How did you come to the Lord? Were you in trouble with the law? Were you going through a, a hard time in a marriage? Were you, did, had you just lost somebody to death? Or were you, were you addicted to something? What was it? What was it that brought you to this place and made your life whole again? Your, your testimony may be extreme and radical. I was selling a thousand dollars worth of whatever every day and, and shooting it all up. And you know, that may be your extreme testimony or your testimony may be one of those calm testimonies. Well, I was raised in the church and one day I really realized I need whatever it is. It's important. Say it with me. It's important. Because all of those testimonies have one common feature. The love and the mercy of God. The love and the mercy of God. The love and the mercy of God. God loved the the loud sinners. And He loved the quiet sinners. God loved the radical sinners. And he loved the, the sinners that didn't even really know that they were sinning. That's how much our God loves us. The, the message is we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But, but this is a reason for me to tell my testimony. Because God has a unique story that he's written on my heart. Everybody say that with me. My story is unique. I should tell it. Second thing is... That, that I want to share my testimony and we should share our testimony because God's Word tells us to share our testimony. It's in the Scripture. 
First Peter chapter 3 and 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks for the reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and with fear. It reminds me that while I may worship the Lord with my life, if someone asks about my hope, I need to be ready. The third thing, a reason you need to share your testimony. You're going to be surprised about this. But there's a lot of people that are afraid to come to church. There are a lot of people that are fearful of what goes on in church. They don't understand it. And this is what your testimony does. It removes that fear and it gives people the courage to step into the presence of the Almighty God. When I start talking about what God has done in my life, I'm also remembering all of God's goodness. And when I start talking about the goodness of God, it gives me faith and courage and it gives the person that I'm talking to faith and courage to live the life that God has. And, and this is my last point. I'm going to go ahead and ask you to stand both here and in Friendswood. Let's stand together. And I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down and line the front here. This is my last statement before I close. And this is why you should share your testimony. Because ultimately, my testimony glorifies God. My testimony glorifies God. My testimony shows how good God has been when I didn't deserve it. When I didn't even know that He was going to be good to me. This is what my testimony does. It shows that God is greater than any failure in my life. Anybody remember the failures of your life? Oh, we remember them. We love to rehearse them. Can I just ask you to replace those with the memories of the goodness of God and the mercy of God? Don't talk about your failures. Talk about how God has turned you around. It's all about God. It's all about God working in me. It's all about me sharing my testimony. It's all about me talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all because I am sharing the story of what God has done. It's to bring Him glory. It's to bring Him glory. And can I tell you something in closing? He deserves all of the glory. He deserves the glory. If I'm proud and I'm confident and I'm bold to sing of His glory and to magnify Him in our song services, then I should be just as quick to glorify Him when I'm talking to my friends, when I'm outside of this building. Sound of revival is somebody sharing their testimony. I, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. Okay, it's my 60th birthday. You, you can't refuse me. This is what I really want you to do. The last part of this service, I want you to just start praying and asking God, give me an opportunity this week to testify. How many of you will pray that with me? Hold your hand up. God, give me an opportunity this week share my testimony let me close with this verse 1 Peter chapter 2 and 9 I, this wasn't in my notes for this week I've been studying praying about this and I was in my office this morning in League City early and I was praying and I, this just kept going over and over in my mind <clears throat> 1 Peter 2 and 9 but you are not like that for you are a chosen people chosen God chose me oh 
God chose me. He, he has made me a royal priest. And that doesn't mean I'm special. It just means He's called me to connect people. That's what priests do. They connect people to God. That's what He's called me to do. Connect people to Him. He's called me as a holy nation. As God's very own possession. As a result. Everybody say as a result. As a result of everything that God has done for me. As a result of how He's called me. As a result of how He's chosen me. As a result of how He's positioned me. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. That's just the result of my life, of what God has done for me. For He called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Are you thankful that He called you today? Are you thankful? Now, I, I want to pray. I want to pray for uh, the Houston campus, and, and, and I'm going to turn this to Pastor Tito there in Friendswood. Friendswood, I love you. God bless you. I hope that you have a great weekend. And, and, and Pastor Tito, if you'll come on up now and just take that congregation, and I pray God's blessing for you and for Houston. I just want to pray for you now. I want to pray that the Lord would really call us to that place where we're bold and confident that we are sharing our testimony. There, there's really no, there, there's no way of knowing how many people we rub shoulders with every week that are so down and out that they don't know what they're going to do. That they, they don't know what's going to happen in their life. That no telling how many people we rub shoulders with on a daily basis that, that they're thinking about ending their life and they're thinking about destroying their marriage and they're thinking about giving up on things. There's, there's no telling. There's no telling how many times we walk by people and they look like they're fine on the outside but they're so empty and, and, and just so uh, unfulfilled and they're just waiting for that word. The sound of revival is that we share our testimony and it glorifies God. Let me pray for you and then we're going to have a time of prayer here in the altar. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you, dear Lord, for all that we have experienced in this room. We've experienced our worship together. We've had fun. We've laughed. Lord, we've also just felt your presence so very strongly. Now, I just pray right now, dear Lord, that you would move in this place. That you, oh God, would help each one of us remember how you saved us and how you rearranged our life, God. and Help that testimony just to bubble up of the goodness and the mercy that you have shown us. Help us to share it, oh Lord. I pray right now that each one of us would fall in love again with what you have done in our life and how you want to use us. And I pray right now, dear Lord, there may be people in this room that have never taken that step of faith and they've never taken that move towards you, oh God. They've never walked towards you. And maybe just hearing your goodness today, dear Lord, has caused somebody to want to take that step of faith. And I pray, dear Lord, that they would be confident today to do it. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Now, the prayer team is here, and this is what I want to do as Bryce leads us in this last course. If you need prayer, if you're here and you have sickness in your body, if you're here and you have issues, if you're here and you want to be renewed, you want to receive the Spirit, whatever it is, I want you to come down and let one of our...
prayer team members pray for you. But this is the other thing that I want. I want, if you're sincere about sharing your testimony, you raised your hand a while ago. I just want, for a moment, just as a sacrifice, Lord, you see that I am here. This is a labor of love. I want you to come and just stand around here and let's worship the Lord. Pray together. And as we're praying, we're asking God, God, I want you to use me this week. Open a door for me this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you come? Come right on. Oh, thank you for all that have already come. Thank you so much. Keep coming. Keep coming. If you need prayer, find somebody, one of the prayer team members to pray with. God bless you. Bryce.